0: Thank you for the uh, testimony, and thank you also for the praise time. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when John was, uh, when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Okay, let's pray. Father, now we want to take a careful look at Jesus, who is the beloved Son of in whom you are well pleased. And we want to know and understand why he was so pleasing to you. We also want to, as children of God, we want to understand how we too can be pleasing and righteous in your sight. Thank you, Lord. We pray that you would speak now to your sheep. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We cover the uh, Old Testament names of God, and now we're going to focus on the names of Jesus, and the titles of Jesus, the descriptions of Jesus, and uh, some are very clear, like when Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Others, it's like, you know, if you have a job description, you see uh, the bullet points of what you're supposed to do, and throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus doing various things, and so to me, these are also uh, uh, reflections of who He is and what He came to do. So we'll be doing that through the Gospels and we've talked about righteousness living a life pleasing to God and, we, and the key verse for today is Matthew 3 verse 17 This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And does that verse ring a bell? Uh, do you know somewhere else very famous uh, section in Scripture where the Father from Heaven gives that, almost that exact phrase and adds one little phrase at the end? Anybody? Anybody remember? Transfiguration. Yes, Transfiguration. That's in Matthew 17, verse 5. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. Uh, What's the difference between these two accounts? Because I think if you find the difference, there's so much that can be learned. What is the difference between Matthew 3 and the timing of of when the Father gives that word? Uh, that he is a beloved son with whom he is well pleased and then in Matthew 17 um, Some years later where he says almost the exact phrase. So what's the difference between the two? Anybody have an answer? We're a small group so we can take answers Yes Yes, yes, amen. Yes, Matthew 3 is the beginning of his ministry, Matthew 17, is, is approaching the end of his ministry. Two groups of people that I think the Lord wants to address today. The first group is uh, lazy people. Uh, and Asians, we're not that lazy as a, as a whole. Um, uh, many of us, I think many of us in this room are or, or, or Mexicans and, and uh, I don't think anybody here can be categorized as lazy, but there are, there are those in the body of Christ who are lazy and I think there's a word uh, for them. Uh, and the other group is the restless workaholic and I think that one actually has a lot to say for many of us in this room. Uh, there, there are those in, in the body of Christ who think God loves me no matter what. They don't have to do anything. They never have to open the Bible. They never have to pray. Never they don't have a, a prayer life. They don't have a devotional life. They go to church whenever they want. They they just kind of just kind of float through life and they think God loves me and I am pleasing to the Lord. There's the other group that says I am Restless. I need to work. I need to merit God's love. I need to have something to show for my life. And therefore, I know that I am loved and I am pleasing to the Lord. Um, I attended Brother Jay's 50th birth- birthday and... When you hit those decade marks, I think there's a Confucius teaching that at certain decades, like 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, you're supposed to hit certain marks in your life and in your vocation. And my father used to lecture me, I kind of forgot all the details, but he used to tell me by this age, you should be this kind of a person and then the next decade. So it's kind of a way to to measure your life. And when you hit an age like 50, you're kind of getting up there a little bit. Uh, And and people, when you hit ages 50, 60, 70, 80, uh, you start um, taking stock of your life. And you see, um, uh, do I have anything to show? And there are, are, I think, two ways that people approach age 50. One is the glass is half empty. Uh, I, I have not done much. I have nothing to show. Uh, I'm always kind of unhappy with, because I think I could have done so much more. And there are people who look at their lives at at an age like 50 and say, my glass is still half empty. There are others who say, it's half full. Uh, There's so much I can be thankful for. There's so much more I can do, so much more I can experience, but still there's a contentment, a thanksgiving. I think as Christians, we should always be half full Christians. Um, it's my testimony that at age um, uh, when I was graduating college 1996 I felt a strong calling from the Lord uh, to uh, to be a pastor and then God trained me he, he made me wait and th- that was a 15 year journey and Brother Abraham and Sister Sarah and, and other Matthew and others um, you probably saw me along that journey uh, and it was a difficult journey of waiting because I, I felt such a strong burden to to do something for the Lord, uh, and I got ordained in 2011. So it's been about 10 years. So that's that's a decade marker. It's time for me to look back. What have what have I done for the Lord? Uh, and if you ask um, many people in God's church. If they, if they hear that you're in a home, it's like you're, you haven't even started. It's like you're, you're preparing your lunch. Uh, and then you hear testimonies of like Francis Chan within a month. He has like hundreds of people. Within a, f- a few years, he has thousands of people. And so there is like a fast, <clears throat> a fast acceleration for some in the body of Christ, which I don't understand. And so 10 years... Um, what has, what has the Lord done? Or me personally, what have I done for the Lord? And there could be a half half glass, half empty kind of a mentality that I had a certain grand picture of what God would do through me. Uh, and, <clears throat> and this is uh, all I have to show. That's not how I feel. But that's, that's maybe my older self. <laughs> In my younger years, that's how I would have If I were to fast forward and see what what 10 years later would look like, I would have felt that way. Um, I think there's a distinction here between um, knowing that you're loved and, and, and knowing that you're pleasing to the Lord. Jesus, before he did anything publicly in his ministry, he was beloved. And I think that we just need to let that truth sink in. Like before we do anything publicly, visibly, externally, in the church, for missions, for, for homeless, for, uh, for the poor, for widows, before we do a single thing, God says, and we see from Jesus' life in Matthew 3, that we are beloved children of God. And that addresses the workaholics. Um, That we feel we need to show something. But God says, even before you show anything, you're loved. At the same time, is it completely nothing that Jesus did from, from birth to age 30? Um, some people, if you're in the lazy camp, you might take comfort in what I just said and say, okay, I don't need to do anything. I can just, I can just read the Bible once a month. I can go to church for Christmas and Easter, and, and I call myself a Christian. God loves me. People take comfort in that kind of a, a teaching of grace. Jesus was not uh, sitting on a couch watching YouTube Uh, of how to be a better carpenter. (laughs) He's not just just doing nothing. He's he's actually cultivating a prayer life. He's actually uh, hearing from the Lord and, and just content with the assignment He's given, which is to wait. And we think Jesus, as gifted as He is, as the Son of God... He didn't do anything that's worthy of note. Nothing recordable. No sign, miracle, or wonder that we, that we know of. Nothing before age 30. And yet, He is Jesus. And we think at age 30, we should be planting like five churches and having like hundreds of followers when Jesus had zero. See, this tells us something. That there's a, uh, there, there's a preparation for being a, a servant of the Lord. And, and, and there is a just a receiving of the, the, my, my, my status as a child of God, beloved of God, even though I did nothing. But it's actually not nothing. It is prayer. It is devotion. It is worship. It is waiting. It is listening. It is waiting. And to me, this is the basis for why Jesus is a beloved and a righteous Son of God. Because He cultivated a relationship with God. He knew he was loved. He was a beloved son of God before he did anything. And yet he cultivated this this prayer uh, relationship through prayer and through devotion and through surrender and through humbling himself and through being as talented and gifted as he was, and yet putting it aside and saying, Lord, I'm waiting upon you. And prior to Matthew 3, Jesus didn't do miracles, signs, and wonders, possibly. He he might have done it. It's not recorded. I I actually think he actually didn't do it. Um, But he wasn't lazy. He was faithful. He was patient. He had the fruits of the Spirit. He was gentle. He was... He was uh, not anxious. He wasn't a workaholic. He wasn't restless. And some in the church, we, we confuse what is a beloved child of God who is righteous in God's sight? What does it mean to, to be such a, a man or a woman? Isn't it to serve? Isn't it to work? Isn't it to be a workaholic? And Jesus shows us. He's actually, not only is he the Lord, not only is he our master, he's also our model. He's showing us how to do life. And so, if we follow him as our model, that means while you are preparing uh, to do the works of the Lord, uh, you, and, and all, all you have to show for it is your, your devotion to him, your prayers to him, your patience before him, your surrendering of your life before him. If that's all, and the, and the world doesn't see anything, he proves that it is not about the works. He's not a workaholic. He, was he wasn't minister. He was ministering because he was trying to merit the Father's love. He was already loved. He was already beloved before he did a single thing. And Jesus is the model. And I think when we look at Matthew 3, we tend to focus on the water baptism. But you might have missed that there's also the Spirit baptism. The Spirit came down like a dove and rested upon Him. This is Jesus' Pentecost moment. To me, I... I I think if Jesus really is our, our model and our example, uh, then Jesus, of course, is spirit-filled. Of course, he has a spirit. But there was a power that he, not, that he possibly did not have. This is my speculation. There's a power that he, did not, he was not able to exercise until this moment. And power came down from on high when he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. And then from then, he knew, now it's my time to go and I'm going to serve. Jesus wasn't lazy, and so he is for 30 years cultivating a relationship with the Father. He's learning how to pray. He's humbling himself. And so for all of us, um, we, we know that we're beloved children of God. And if you are not, uh, if it's not the season to work, then let's just cultivate what Jesus cultivated for 30 years. We think at age 40, age 50, we should be doing greater works than Jesus did. I don't know, something the Lord gave to me early on in my Christian life. He told me that you're not going to actually have much to say until you're 60. And I'm 46, so I feel like, okay, I'm saying things, but maybe I don't have that much to say for another 14 years. Because Jesus, at 30, He's finally ready, and he's empowered, and he's going. For me, do I, do, do I think I'm better than Jesus? Do I think I, I prayed be, longer than Jesus? Do I feel like I'm more spirit-filled than Jesus even before the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So Jesus really is the model. And so to me, that takes the pressure off. If you are a workaholic type, it takes the pressure off where you just say, I am beloved of God. It is not my time yet. I'm waiting on the Lord. And I just need to receive and be faithful. That means if you are a a single, you're faithful to the Lord. That means if you have a spouse, you're faithful in your marriage. That means if you have children, you're faithful in your parenting. That means if you have a job, you're faithful in your job. These might be such small things to you, but those who are faithful in a little, at the right time, God will promote you. It's not you doing it. God will promote you, and then it's your time to go. And so if you're the workaholic type, um, let's just relax. Let's be faithful. Let's pray to the Lord. Let's just be thankful for a season of preparation. And all the while, let's pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, every every prayer meeting on Wednesdays, we pray for the signs, miracles, and wonders that come with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power that comes from on high. And if that has not come yet, then in some sense, I feel like, okay, Lord, I'm just going to be faithful to what I'm going to do. There are certain burdens that He's put on my heart for the nations. Yes, it's there. But it's not my time yet. Uh, I think as a church, it's not our time yet. We will do missions. We will do things that right now we might think we're, we're just not equipped for yet. But there is going to be a day, I believe, uh, just just a deep sense that I have, that there will be a time when we will far outgrow this place, that our impact will be to the ends of the earth, that there's going to be a baptism of power from on high, and then we will know as a church it's our time to go. Until that time, let's just relax. Let's be faithful. Let's be patient. Of course, not be lazy. That's That's not in the Bible. Jesus was not lazy. He cultivated for 30 years an intimate relationship with the Father. And we can have the same relationship with the Father through Christ, And so while we're waiting, let's be faithful. Let's pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it says in Matthew 9, verse 35, and this is the final text, Matthew 9, 35. And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When He saw the crowds, He had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd then he said to his disciples the harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few therefore pray earnestly to the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest so we are patient we're not lazy we're patient we're cultivating a relationship with god we're waiting upon him we know that we're beloved even before we do a single visible thing but there's a devotional internal work that's happening for for years and maybe even decades and we are praying regularly for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Father promises if you, if you pray, you're persistent in this prayer, the Father will give good gifts to His children who ask. And so, this is a prayer topic we should pray often for the baptism, for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And at the same time, we're never, it's a, it's a, half, a glass half full that we have experiences of God. We are serving the Lord, but there's so much more that we know that God can do. And so we, we're not content. I mean, we're not discontent. We're not restless. We're not, we're not fighting Him. We're not complaining. We are half, uh, half full Christians who are content, and yet we pray for more, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and for the Lord to send out workers to the harvest field. And notice it says, pray earnestly to the Lord. The Lord is more anxious and burdened for the loss than you and me. And so the Lord, He is burdened for the loss. He doesn't want any person to perish and not have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. His burden is infinitely greater than even the greatest evangelist that this world has ever seen. And so we are praying to the Lord of the harvest, we're praying for His compassion. Even before we do the work, we're praying, do I have his heart? Do I have his compassion? When I look at a crowd, am I just annoyed? Do I just want to get away from the crowd? Or is there something that is being birthed in me that I look upon this crowd and say, they're they're shepherdless, they're helpless, they're harassed, they're bothered, they're they're directionless. And and just your heart for these nameless people in a crowd, your heart, there's a compassion that's welling up. This is how you know the Lord is starting to prepare you for a, for a new work. The compassion is there. Even before you do the work, the heart is already there. heart is already being cultivated. And it says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And so we, we don't have to say, well, I want to do this. No, let the Lord determine your steps. Let Him tell you it's time. And you will know it's time. You will have the compassion. You will have the power. The Spirit will come upon you, like it did for Jesus. He was quiet. He, he, would, he didn't seem to do much for 30 years. He prepared his life. Then in a moment, he was baptized. And for the rest of his earthly ministry, three and a half years, he is doing. He is proclaiming the kingdom, as it says in Matthew nine thirty-five. He is healing disease, every disease, every affliction, He is casting out demons. And and these are the greater works. Of course, every Christian who is zealous for the Lord, we want to do all of these things. We want all the spiritual gifts that we see in Scripture. And so we are are believing that Jesus will eventually um, come and baptize us in the Holy Spirit because John baptized in water. But Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. And as you follow him, there will come a moment when Jesus baptizes you, the compassion, the heart will be there and he will give you the green light. He will promote you and he will say, the harvest field is, 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 is the harvest is plentiful and he will mark you and say, you, it's time to go. Before that, don't, don't pressure people to go to missions. Don't pressure people to serve. Don't pressure people to do things until the Lord of the harvest says it's time to go. And that is God has to tell each individual. No one else can tell you. You will know when you're ready. The power will be there. It'll be evident to everybody. It's your time now. Until then, just cultivate. And it might take 30 years. It might take 60 years. It's really up to the Lord. If God is anxious if, and He sees somebody who is zealous, He can, he can do it in 10 years. He can, he can do it even quicker. It's really, the timing is up to the Lord. And so we just surrender our lives. And we, um, we, we, we just faithfully cultivate a prayer life. We ask for our, a change of heart. And we ask for the Holy Spirit to baptize us in power. And then when it's time to go, we hear the shepherd's voice and he will say, it's time to go to the harvest field. Okay, let's pray. Father, we understand that Jesus, he was beloved even before he did a single visible public act of ministry. But he wasn't lazy. For 30 years he waited upon you. 30 years he cultivated a prayer life. 30 years he humbled himself despite his giftedness and his authority and teaching, all of his wisdom he put down, he waited upon you. And in Matthew chapter three, the heavens were opened. The Spirit came down like a dove. He was baptized not only in water, but also the Holy Spirit. And, from, and that marked the beginning of His public ministry. Lord, forgive the church that we promote two groups of people in the church. One that are just lazy. And we, we say that you're covered with the grace of God and you can just do whatever you want. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to grow. You don't have to care about anything. You're fine. Lord, that is a false teaching. There's another false teaching that says from day one of conversion you are being put to work. And whether you're equipped or ready or spirit-filled or not, we're going to send you the missions and you're going to be a small group leader and you're going to be a pastor and you're going to do all these things. Lord, forgive us. These two groups of people in the church that we've promoted through not by failing to follow the model of Jesus Christ. Jesus, for 30 years, you prepared yourself, your beloved, before you did anything. And when it was time, you were baptized by the Holy Spirit. And God the Father sent Jesus the Son into the harvest fields, and he went to work. Father, we understand all of us here. It is our desire, we want to serve you. We want to live for You. We want to fulfill every assignment, every good work that you prepared for us in advance. Lord, we're anxious for it, but Lord, You are more anxious for it. Lord, You are more anxious for the loss than we are. And so, Lord, we rest upon You. We trust in Your timing. We understand that there will come a moment that you will answer our prayers for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we will be filled with power from on high as the early church was at Pentecost. We will have a heart that matches it with compassion and you will send us to the harvest field, to the ends of the earth. Father, we pray that this church will fulfill every assignment, every task, that we will reach every person that you call us to reach. We pray that the nations will be reached through this church. We trust in your timing In your way, you're going to prepare us. So for now, we're just going to relax. We're going to cultivate. We're going to be faithful to what you've asked us to be faithful. You're training us. You're seeing our reaction. Are we a half glass empty? Are we complaining? Are we a half glass full? That we're content, but we long for more. Please, Lord Jesus, we pray that you meet us during the partaking of the Lord's Supper. We thank you for your body that was broken and your blood that was shed.